about once a year or a year and a half, I get laryngitis. So I just started getting it this morning. So guys upstairs, if you need to turn me up, turn it up, uh, and I'll see if I can get through this. <clears throat> this was the last minute thing that happened to me. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and all who live in them. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. Make sure I have this thing on. There you go. When the Bible speaks of islands, it does speak of the literal islands. But it, for the Jews, it was places that were far away. They weren't seafaring people. And so the islands were distant places. And I might uh, paraphrase this, the nook and crannies of the earth. And so this prophecy that Jesus gives, or Isaiah gives, is that the Lord's name will be praised in every nook and cranny of the world. And as I think about this, I wonder, well, how, how does that take place? Because it seems to me there's a lot of little places throughout the world that the word has not gone out or doesn't seem to have gone out. Uh, the North Senatal Islands, where the young man was killed last week or so, an island that uh, is off limits that no one can go to. Has the gospel been taken there? Obviously not. And so how this fully takes place in the wisdom of God, I don't have the answer to. But I do know this. So it I doesn't make me doubt God if I can't figure out how he does things. But my job is to do what I can to take the message to the nook and crannies of the world as much as I'm able to. And so my first question to us this morning is how is your faith going in sharing in the nook and crannies of Huntsville? I think living in the, quote, Bible Belt, we feel like we have a, uh, there's not a lot of people we can reach out to. But there are. There's many, many people in Huntsville that don't know God's message. Um, I'm reminded of a person I studied with not too many years ago. And I quoted, in the beginning. And I think almost everyone here will know that comes from Genesis chapter 1, right? Or John chapter 1, whichever you prefer, in the beginning. And this person had never heard those words. <laughs> did not know anything about the creation story. Knew very, very little about Jesus. And yet was born and raised in Huntsville, Alabama. And so there's places here that we can reach out to the nook and crannies of the world. I just came back from a three-week trip to some of those nooks and crannies. To some islands, the Fiji Islands and the New Zealand Islands, two islands of New Zealand. And I wanted to share a little bit about that. Now, if you're visiting here, you say, well, how did you decide to go to Fiji? Because, you know, that's on my bucket list of places I want to go to. And it goes back not only with our family, but it goes back with uh, this church back to 1963. And I know for some of you, that's, a that's prior to your birth, and it seems like a long time ago. But in 1963, this congregation sent my parents, excuse me, who are in the <clears throat> that old-fashioned picture of black and white, 
They used to only have black and white or very little color. <laughs> we didn't have color growing up. Uh, and uh, that's my dad and mom. My dad and mom are at home right now. I'm pretty sure they'll be listening on, on uh, live stream, as I know several others are. And uh, they're, my mom's not feeling well today. That's uh, them with their five children my, and my grandmother, who lived with us since I was two years old. And if you're wondering who's who, I'm the one on the far left. And Claudia, who is here, is right there smack dab in the middle. So you can... See how much we haven't changed. <laughs> then in 1992, uh, this congregation sent my family, Julie, and our three children uh, to back to Fiji, the church there that my dad had established, uh, wrote us and asked us if we would be willing to come back and work with them. And then uh, all, basically all our kids were raised there and went through junior or whatever, that age up, eight years old and up, through 19 years old. So they became uh, Fijians in many ways. I always say 2006 to 2008 or so are our transition years. We were in Fiji for about three or four months of the year and here uh, for uh, the rest of the year. And so we've been going back either every year or every other year for the last few years to follow up on this work. Let me just say that this particular trip, I didn't know, I didn't know what was in store. I was telling Tom about this. It was a very Pacific uh, Island organization, which means nothing was organized. I was invited and didn't know what was going to happen. And yet, I'll share with you as we go along, and I don't have time to share everything, that it was one of the best trips that I've made uh, in recent years. Just to give you an idea of where this is, that's the world map. I travel 30 hours straight, including layovers from Huntsville to LA, LA to Fiji, where I had a layover, uh, Fiji to New Zealand, where I spent about 12 days, then return back to Fiji, spend about uh, another seven days there before uh, coming back. So that gives you an idea of where, what part of the world we're talking about and uh, where we were. Um, my connection with the church in New Zealand is with the Morningside Church. Uh, it's in Auckland, New Zealand. <clears throat> it's an uh, interracial congregation, as, as most churches are in the Pacific. Uh, it's very uh, culturally diverse country. Uh, Maoris, Samoans, um, uh, A Asians, New Zealanders, Fijians, um, Filipinos, uh, you know, just so, so many different people from all over the world. And so the congregation at Morningside, my connection uh, a few years ago was through a co-worker, Samu Rakai, who's on the right-hand side there, and his wife, Marama, who, are, who I worked with in Fiji very closely. I've told you some stories about Samu, and during the Revelation series, I shared with you how he stood up to a very strong cultural um, barrier. He had to choose basically between the culture that he grew up in, and Jesus. And, uh, and I won't go through that story again, but he chose Jesus over his culture during that time. He's a high chief from the area of Savu Savu, and a wonderful family that I love and we've known for many years. Invited us to, back in 2014, to do a marriage seminar there. Julie and I did that. And this was, uh, I've gone back twice uh, since that time. Um, 
little bit of the bad, the pictures didn't come out that well, but um, taught while I was in uh, New Zealand, I taught seven lessons. Uh, the preacher there got sick on the second Sunday and texted me and said, I can't be there. And I just said, well, I understand I can take over and I, I'm, I'm prepared. And he said, thank you. My first Sunday there, he said, well, most people know you. Why don't you just introduce yourself? So it's like going back home. I got up and for the people that didn't know me, introduced myself and then uh, taught some lessons. Uh, it was an encouraging time meeting with people in homes, in coffee shops, in restaurants. Uh, a lot of people asked for uh, personal counseling, uh, biblical counseling, and so I was able to get to with many people and talk with them during that time. People who were struggling with their faith, who, who have grown up in Christian homes, some of them, and some of them who were brought to the Lord later in their lives and struggling in, the, in their lives. And so one of the things as I was looking at that passage in Isaiah 42, I came across the passage. Well, that gives you some more. There's a Bible study on a Wednesday night and some of the people that, that I've worked with. Um, but the passage in Isaiah 43 kind of, to me, sums up my message uh, really here and throughout the world. Uh, after the 42 passage that I quoted a little bit ago, 43 says, but now this is what the Lord says. And I could just stop there and talk about that. This is what the Lord says. The Lord is going to say something. God in heaven is going to say something. And we're so used to God speaking that we just kind of let it roll over our backs sometimes. We don't really pay attention. But God is speaking here. And when God speaks, well, we ought to listen. He says, this is what the Lord said. He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel... And this is a prophecy of the spiritual Israel also. It's not only the physical Israel, but it's the spiritual Israel, which is us. Fear not, God says, for I have redeemed you. We sing this. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And what he's book-ending both sides of this message, and it's symbolic language here. He's not saying that when you go through a river, you won't be drowned. Well, maybe, but he's saying in, the, in your life, when you go through all the hard times, it's like a river overflowing you like a fire that wants to consume you. God is there. He, he begins for the, from the beginning. I'm the one, fear not, I'm the one who has redeemed you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And this is, to me, a teaching of a life that is centered in Christ. This is the fear of the Lord. This is the relationship that keeps us strong and keeps you from sinning. There was a man that I talked to, well, I, I could name three or four people I talked with in New Zealand and in Fiji, who are struggling with their faith and trying to come to grips with some personal issues in their lives. And this is the answer. If, if your life is centered in on Christ, if your life is centered in on who he is and his power and his strength, there's nothing to fear. This is the, the relationship of life and the answer to, to our struggles personally with our families, with our friends, with the world. 
And I'm convinced the older I get and the more I work with people and the more I examine my own life, that we really have not learned this lesson. We kind of learn it up in our brains. But when we get into our situations of life, things just kind of fall apart. And we fear. And we don't realize that we are redeemed. And we really don't believe that God's going to sh show us, see us through these things. And I know that's a broad statement. Some of you may have your faith firm. And I'm not speaking to you. But many of us struggle with this. Is he really the Lord, our God, the Holy One of Israel, our Savior, the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, the one who formed us. And if he is, he calls to us and says, fear not. I'm with you. And that's my message. We went to Fiji after <coughs> my time in, Fiji, in uh, New Zealand. And if I were to sum up our work there, <coughs> I would do it in one word relationships all these people I could tell you things about every single person in on these slides uh, but there would be names that would just kind of like you couldn't really connect to them you know you don't know these people personally uh, some of you have met uh, the ones in the top right hand corner Peter and Mar Maria Hussein Darren's parents in the bottom left hand corner Bishun and Dudley uh, Dael uh, Nandisha's parents. Uh, our girls married Fijian citizens, and this, these are their in-laws, their, their parents, their in-laws, <laughs> our, our relationship some way. And that's what, when we've gone there, we've, we've said, uh, a passage came to my mind, Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. And as we're working with these people that we have relationships with, how can I help these people? How can I spur them on a little more toward love and good deeds and a relationship with God? <clears throat> We've, we went through some very discouraging times <clears throat> around 2007, 8, 9, 10, when the church that we had worked with uh, slowly disintegrated. Some problems, I won't go into all the problems there. But when that happened, Julie and I began what we called the Lost Sheep Ministry. Where we would just go out and try and find these lost sheep, encourage them back into a relationship with their, not only their faith and their God, but with the church and reconnect them with some of the other churches in that area. Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, as he continues to say in Hebrews uh, 10, 20, 25. And so, uh, as I said, I, I, had, I communicated with one person in Fiji and had no idea what I'd be walking into. And every day, this is just typical island, as I met with someone, they connected me with someone else. As I walked in one, one year, as we were walking, Julie and I were walking into town, someone saw us on a bus, recognized Julia's dress that she wore for years there, and jumped off the bus and came out, and, and uh, we reconnected. And it's th this kind of connection that we have. But these are the faces of people we've known for years. Many of you know um, Darren's brother, uh, Max, here. Uh, got with him and, and spoke with him. Some of these people we've known literally since their physical birth uh, and watched them grow up. Uh, some of these are in the Fijian culture, our physical family. My, my parents um, became the guardian of a Fijian young man 
who became part of our family, who when we came back to the States, came back with us. He lives in Denver, uh, Colorado now. And so the uh, 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 part of this, uh, uh, of, of our family is uh, the Hazelmans who, who are, who consider us physically <laughs> part of their family. And, uh, and this is uh, two of the brothers in the photo that's kind of lopsided there, Kevin and George. Um, but maintaining these relationships, working with these people, helping them, uh, seeking ways to encourage them in uh, the ministry is what, what we've done. I want to share with you a video of, uh, of a lady that we, a young lady that we brought to Christ several years ago, and she had a few things to say, and it's about a minute, a little bit over a minute long that I'm going to share with you now. I miss you, Julia. <laughs> <sighs> I knew you were going to really cry. Sorry. I knew, I knew you were going to cry. I'm really sorry. Are you, you're faithful to God? You still? I love God. There you are. There you go. That's good. I love God. Yes, I'll try to be faithful to Him. Good. He's only the one that I can be depending on every day of my life. Can live for. The only hope is Him. And you also, you all. I remember you sometimes, not all. I don't pray every time for you both, but I miss you. I think about you all the time. I do things that, um, in my thoughts, that you have taught me always. I think about, and I do. Everywhere I go, it's just like everywhere I see your presence are here. You're here with me all the time, and God as well. Thank you for praying for me. I have a lot to do. I don't know where to start and where to stop. <laughs> I'm always messing up. But I love you both. Yeah, I'm always messing up, aren't we all? <clears throat> and so she's a um, single, lives, you know, uh, struggles with her faith, someone who needs a lot of encouragement. She's uh, really been doing well recently, working, uh, connecting, reconnecting with the Rewanga Church and uh, doing well there. There's a church called Ne Katini, which is, um, which translated as 10 miles. It's 10 miles outside the city. And I began working with them several years ago and, and spent a Sunday with them. Um, the, it, the, really the roots of this congregation go back to my parents when they started a congregation at Naulu, which is nine miles. And so one of the people I'm gonna show you in a minute uh, it's 80 years old, and she walks from nine miles to 10 miles. Yes, it's a mile walk, one way, to church on, on Sundays, and I'll show you her in a minute. It's a wonderful little congregation. Um, they've uh, put up, this is their church building they've uh, put up, and has, actually has a concrete floor, which is nice. I think most of the floor is concrete anyway, but a wonderful group of Christians here. And let me just share a, a video with them uh, quickly.
So it's just like us. I have kids running around. You got parents trying to control their kids, just like us. Also, tomatada, I'm a sinful person. But I hear your voice. I want you to call me. Your voice, Jesus. I am coming to you. For your cleansing and for your life. For, for life to live and for your cleansing. For your sake. Doing this for your sake. And uh, anyway, it's a wonderful little congregation, uh, faithful to the Lord, working hard to reach the people out in that area. Two wonderful things happened um, while I was there. Met with Etta. Etta was taught by my parents back in the 60s. Uh, she was a young lady then. She's turned 80. She is extremely active. This is the lady who walks a mile to church every day, every Sunday, going to that little church building. I know she is the church. She is the church, though. But uh, she walks to the church building uh, each Sunday. A lot of energy, uh, just a wonderful person to, to uh, know. My children call her Nana, that's their grandmother, Fijian grandmother. Um, while we were there, this is an interesting thing about technology today. Back when we moved there in 1992, and of course prior to that, we would write letters. You write a letter, you put it in the mailbox, 10 days later approximately you come here. Uh, my parents, whoever would get a letter, if they read it and replied the same day and mailed it back the same day, we would get a reply about 20 days later. So when we put a, uh, a, a letter in the mail, uh, a month later, we might get a reply. Sometimes I'm still waiting for the reply. <laughs> I haven't got a reply for some that I wrote many years ago. But we were sitting there on her porch, went back to her little little shed she lives in a shed and uh, on her porch that she's built that she's so proud of and she's making my lunch so she's running back and forth to the back room where there's a kind of a little kitchen coming back bringing out some things and Angel uh, Saturday night here Angel uh, gets on FaceTime is that it FaceTime and so I'm talking to her and Etta comes out and we're talking back and forth and she hadn't seen my parents in 20 years. And so I, I showed, I said, look, uh, Etta, you can talk to my parents. And she looks at my mother and she said, who's that old lady? <laughs> <laughs> well, she hadn't seen a picture. Just think about it. She hadn't seen a picture of someone for 20 years. I learned this when I was in a village one time. I brought a picture of a child that I'd been in the village three or four years before, and I brought and showed the mother a picture of her child, and she did not know who that person was. Because, you know, the child had grown up, and her memory of what the child looked like, because she didn't have a picture of it, had gone away. But anyway, we talked and chatted, and she brought food back and forth, and she talked to my parents. And then as we were getting ready to eat, my dad said, well, we better let you guys go so you can have lunch. And I said, well, Dad, she, Etta hasn't heard you pray in 20 years. Why don't you pray for us and for this food that we're about to eat? And so dad prays over FaceTime with us, which I'm thinking, yeah, how incredible the world, how small the world has gone 
that my dad, 9,000 miles away, prays for us as clear as if he was uh, sitting there right with us in, a, in an area that had no internet. It was just on uh, whatever, whatever the stuff is. What's it? Gigabytes or whatever it is. Jeez. It, it works. <laughs> All right. I'm not thinking it straight. Uh, let me show you Bimlish here. Bimlish uh, was one of my co-workers. I actually taught him when he was 18 years old and baptized him. And um, he was helping lead the church uh, that we really established together. And uh, around 2010 or so, I began losing contact with him. And I didn't know what had happened. I tried to, tried to contact him various ways. And he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> I knew where he was in Fiji because other Fijians would say, well, they had seen him and this and that. But I really lost contact with him. And I was concerned that uh, I had said something or done something that had hurt him, offended him, that had, had chased him away, that caused him to stumble. And uh, I've tried to contact with him each time I've come, gone back to Fiji and just with no success. I'd always get together with his children, Matthew and Vashni. And since they were little, we started taking them to uh, McDonald's. It's a special treat. Take them to McDonald's and usually have an ice cream cone. So this time when I took them, I asked them, well, where do you guys want to go? Because I thought, they're older now. They maybe, maybe they don't want to go to McDonald's. Maybe they want to go somewhere else. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, McDonald's. <laughs> so we went to McDonald's and spent several hours together. Uh, Matthew is now in uh, his first year, just, just completing his first year of university studies in Vashni is like a junior in high school. And anyway, uh, the, I think the following day, uh, Bimlish was with them, and uh, he's, he a they asked what they had been doing. They said, well, we're, we were with Uncle Alan. And he's like, oh, he's in the country. I had tried to con uh, contact him, and he wasn't able to get with me because he didn't have internet. And... Uh, they said, yeah, and they gave him my phone number. And so he texted me. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. So I texted him back and said, hey, can, let's get together. We went to a coffee shop together. It was a great reunion. Uh, spent a couple hours together. And then he said, uh, so how are you, when are you going back to the States? And I said, well, tomorrow. Actually, I traveled to the west. The island of Viti Levu is 150 miles long. So he said, well, how are you going to get to the west? I said, I'm going to take a bus. And he said, well, let me drive you. And I said, oh, that's a long way. He says, three, four, it's like a four-hour trip. And that round trip for him would be somewhere between around seven or eight hours. And I said, I, hate, I don't want you to do that. And he says, no, I want to. And uh, so we spent um, really all that day together. <clears throat> and I won't go into any detail, but he has suffered physically, spiritually, spiritually. Um, emotionally and in many ways, but he's coming back now. His, his faith is coming back. And so, uh, in fact, he said he's, he started a little Bible study that has some Hindus in it, some Muslims, some other people. And he asked me, he said, when you come back, would you come and speak to us? And I said, of course I will. I'll do that. So that, that was worth uh, the trip. <clears throat> Let me uh, share with you uh, the Koru, and we'll end here. Uh, the Koru is a symbol of in New Zealand. The Morningside Church gave me this as I left. And it's a uh, really nice, no one break this, okay? <laughs> it's a uh, really nice koru. 
And the koru is actually a fern. It's the beginning of a, a fern. And it's a symbol of new life and growth. Uh, you may see it on tattoos, Maori tattoos. They have the swirly tattoos, and that comes from this plant. It's on the, uh, on the tail of the Air New Zealand. Uh, some people have put this forth as there should be their national flag, should be the koru. Uh, this is a picture of it in, in, the, uh, in the bush when, when I took a bush walk with people. It's, a, it's kind of a national symbol, not the national symbol, but it's a national symbol. And it's of the silver, silver fern. When you turn this fern over, it's silver on the other side of it. And as the old leaves die, these new ones come up and they begin to unfurl, creating a, a new uh, leaf. And so in their stories and their mythology, they talk about new birth and they talk about growth. And so when I see these, this symbol of New Zealand, I think this is what spiritually God has done through us, has promised us through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news for all of us here in New Zealand and in Fiji and in El Salvador and all over the world is that we have a promise of new birth. When we're washed clean by his blood, we're given new life. And then once we have that new life, we are encouraged and helped through the Spirit to grow into maturity as we take on the image of our Lord Jesus. If you're outside of Christ, you have a promise of a new birth, a new beginning, a new life. And it comes through the resurrection of Jesus. It comes as you come to him in repentance and faith. You're buried in a watery grave of baptism as we show, saw several who have had, had this experience this past week. They are new Christians, new people, new creation. And now they walk, go on to mature in Christ uh, and become more like him. If anyone can be helped, anyone needs help in that direction or needs to talk to the elders for any particular reason, we're going to sing an invitation song. Our elders will be here to receive you.